Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us for Rivian's fourth quarter and full year 2023 earnings call. Before we begin, matters discussed on this call, including comments and responses to questions, reflect management's views as of today. We will also be making statements related to our business, operations, and financial performance that may be considered forward-looking statements under federal securities laws. Such statements involve risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially. These risks and uncertainties are described in our SEC filings in today's shareholder letter. During this call, we will discuss both GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures. A reconciliation of GAAP to non-GAAP financial measures is provided in our shareholder letter. Just before the call, we published our shareholder letter, which includes an overview of our progress over the recent months. I encourage you to read it for additional details around some of the items we'll cover on today's call. and welcome to Kilowatt, a podcast about electric vehicles, renewable energy, autonomous driving, and much, much more. My name is Bodhi, and I am your host. And on today's episode, we are going to cover Rivian's Q4 2023 earnings call. I'm going to be honest with you. I have not listened or pre-listened to this earnings call because I had a really busy day, and some of the things that I planned on doing today took longer than I thought. So we're going to go through this together. Don't worry, I'm going to cut out the parts that are not interesting to folks who listen to the show. And as always, these clips are edited by me in a way that I think uh, makes them more presentable for this show. If you want to listen to the full unedited version, I will put a link in the show notes for you. All right, let's go ahead and jump into RJ Scringe's opening remarks. Before I dive in, as part of our ongoing focus on driving cost efficiency, we announced internally today the difficult decision to reduce the number of salary employees by approximately 10%. These difficult decisions, among other initiatives I plan to discuss, enable us to maximize the amount of impact we can have as a company. We hold the deep conviction that the entire automotive industry will electrify over the long term. This means as an industry, replacing roughly 1.5 billion internal combustion passenger cars across the planet over the next couple of decades. Rivian's mission is to accelerate this transition. Major goal with the launch of R1 was to build a brand that deeply resonates with customers. Beyond our active owner groups and the R1S being the top selling EV in the US priced over $70,000, 
an owner satisfaction survey conducted by Consumer Reports showed Rivian as the number one automotive brand with the highest likelihood for customers to purchase again. We intend to harness this brand strength as we launch R2, which we'll be unveiling on March 7th. R2 represents the essence of our brand while targeting the significant mid-sized SUV segment, a massive market with limited compelling EV options beyond Tesla. R2 has been developed with vertically integrated propulsion platforms, electronics, and software to create an incredible user experience. Our team is laser-focused on the factors within our control that will drive Rivian's long-term value. These include driving cost efficiency, optimizing our production and deliveries, investing in differentiating technologies, enhancing the Rivian customer experience, and maintaining a strong balance sheet. The progress we've made ramping production and driving greater cost efficiency was significant in 2023. During the full year, we more than doubled production and deliveries and exceeded our initial production guidance by more than 7,000 vehicles. The team achieved this while also successfully managing complex integration of new engineering design changes, including our in-house drive units for both the EDV and R1 platforms, LFP battery packs for EDV, and new vehicle variants such as our Max Pack. Ramping production and introducing new technologies across multiple vehicle platforms has presented challenges, but importantly, our team has gained significant learnings in a compressed time frame. This experience will be foundational as we execute against our 2024 plan. We took significant steps towards driving greater efficiency in 2023. Gross profit per vehicle improved by approximately $81,000 when comparing the fourth quarter of 2023 to the fourth quarter of 2022. As we start 2024, I want to emphasize our team's continued sense of urgency and ownership mindset in driving further efficiency throughout the organization. During our second quarter shutdown, we plan to incorporate additional material cost downs with the integration of new design engineering changes in the R1 platform, deliver further supplier cost reductions, capture the flow through of commodity price improvements, and further optimize our manufacturing expenses. We believe these steps position us to achieve modest gross profit in the fourth quarter of 2024. As we start 2024, I want to address the broader industry context, which I referred to during our third quarter call. Our business is not immune to existing economic and geopolitical uncertainties, most notably the impact of historically high interest rates, which is negatively impact demand. In this fluid environment, we appreciate the expressed interest in demand visibility from the investment community. The conversion of orders to sales can be impacted by several factors, including delivery timing, location of order, monthly payments, and customer readiness. Our order bank has notably reduced over time as deliveries have more than doubled in 2023 versus 2022, along with the impact of cancellations due to both the macro environment and the customer factors I just referenced. For 2024, we expect our total deliveries to be derived from our existing backlog as well as new orders generated during the year. Our key focus is on increasing demand to achieve our 2024 delivery targets. Our go-to-market strategy is built on growing brand awareness, enabling our direct-to-consumer experience, and importantly, providing more opportunities for consumers to experience our award-winning R1T and R1S vehicles firsthand. We are scaling our Rivian Spaces program, which is our equivalent of retail space, retail locations. And today we have 11 sites open across North America, most of which have opened in the last six months. These sites have garnered over 130,000 visitors so far in 2024. Complementing our Spaces footprint, our more than 50 service centers serve as another location for current and potential customers to experience our vehicles. We've provided over 13,000 demo drives 
already in the first quarter and consider this to be one of our key demand building strategies. We've also expanded the lineup of our vehicles and recently introduced our standard range variant, which provides an accessible price point for more potential Rivian customers. We are encouraged by the early results. The steps we're taking in 2024 will be foundational in positioning Rivian as a leader in the transition to electrification. The opportunity ahead is significant. We're taking deliberate action to drive additional cost efficiency as we continue building our go-to-market capabilities and develop our R2 platform. All right. I didn't end up editing this clip because it wasn't all that long. I think this was a good, succinct opening remarks from RJ. Um, I would imagine that reducing the salaried employees would allow them to free up some capital for the R2 production and the second quarter shutdown that they're going to talk a lot more about as we go into this earnings call. And I did listen to the entire earnings call, so I I couldn't resist. I just listened to the entire thing, cut up the clips that I wanted. So I know I said at the beginning of the podcast that I was going to go through this at the same time you were, but I figured it would be more efficient if I just bit the bullet and listened to the entire thing before recording. And I did. Let's get to our first analyst question, which is... um, whether or not our Rivian should concentrate on the R2 platform before upgrading the R1 platform, which is that shutdown in the second quarter that they were talking about. Just a, a question on, on the downtime relative to the uh, on the R1 versus the launch uh, of the R2. And RJ, I'm just curious, um, is it maybe better to, to focus on pulling forward the launch of the R2 and, and committing capital, both human and dollars, so pulling that forward and getting that high volume program up and running as opposed to tinkering with the line um, on the R1 and maybe circling back to that R1 you know, line later. Um, is, is that possible or is there kind of constraints or, or I'm just kind of misguided and these things can both happen at the same time and you can't pull for the, the R2 forward at all? Yeah, thanks, John. We, um, you know, we're certainly working very hard to uh, make sure we deliver our uh, R2 on time and, and to the extent possible, uh, pull any time we can out of the program. You know, I think what has us so excited about, about R2 is if we look at the success of R1 in terms of the, how the market's responded to the brand and to the product, you know, it's the top-selling EV with a price point of over $70,000. Our, our hope, of course, is to translate the brand strength that we've demonstrated uh, for Rivian with R1 into the R2 product and into a, a much lower price segment, which has a, a very large just market. Um, I think the key thing, though, to come back to your question on R1 is, is just recognizing how much of the content that's going into the shutdown in Q2 uh, actually translates to R2. So there's a massive consolidation of our ECUs in the vehicle. So that's all the computers in the vehicle, which, which we design and engineer in-house. But we've consolidated them. Uh, we reduced the number of, of computers by about 65%. Um, and that network architecture and associated ECU topology uh, is very close related to what's in R2. And so it not only de-risks R2, but it's it's part of the development process and, and development sequence associated with the launch of that product. Um, along with that, these changes that we're making to, to R1 with regards to just the overall changing out of hundreds of components and, and associated suppliers with those components also corresponds to a number of supplier engagements that we have that link to R2. 
And the volume that R2 brings allows us to be more aggressive in pricing with a number of those suppliers that are on the R1 program. So the two are very much interlinked. And um, and, and with that said, uh, as, as we think about our focus as a business, uh, this, this shutdown and the updates associated with it in our bill of materials and, and along with the line uh, really is, is sort of part one to the, the major focus for us as a business, which is the successful launch and, and rapid ramp up of the R2 production. So we're actually going to talk a little bit more about this later in the earnings call. But that consolidation, you know, the computers and some of those components between the R1 and the R2 platform is actually going to save Rivian money in the long run in terms of component costs and getting the better deals. But we'll save that for a little bit later in the show. One of the things I'm curious about is when they do the shutdown in Q2 of 2024, Will we see a NAX adapter? Will we see the North American charging standard added to the Rivian at that time, the R1 platform at that time? Uh, let's see here. Next question is about plans for the Georgia plant. Well, EV world has changed so much, RJ, since the 2021 IPO and in a lot of ways in a um, you know more moderated demand and, and competitiveness and pretty uncertain uh, economic environment to boot. So I'm just wondering, has the board and the t- management team, are you still fully committed to that vertical integrated, you know, go to Georgia, 400,000 units, $5 billion on your own strategy, or at the board consider any alternative to the Greenfield option in Georgia, or at least some some adjustments in terms of the size or whether you go in with a partner or is it, is it pretty much the strategy from 2021 that you're, you're kind of going ahead with right now into 24? Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Yeah, the, the way we've approached our, our Georgia facility is to, to build out the plant across two phases. So it's not a, a single 400,000 uh, unit block, but rather two 200,000 unit blocks. Um, I think the 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 broader point that you raised just around overall demand for electric vehicles, how fast the market transitions to electric vehicles. We do think we're in a, a very interesting moment in time where uh, there is a, uh, a lack of choice of highly compelling EV products in that 45 to 55,000 dollar price range. You know, recognizing uh, the average price of a, of a new vehicle transaction in the United States last year was around $48,000. And so when we look at the the competition that exists, you know, we often get immediately drawn into uh, competing. You know, what's the competition look like directly with Tesla? But we need to recognize only seven percent of the market has electrified. Meaning, really, we're talking about how do we get the ninety three percent of the market that's not buying an EV to get excited about the product? And R two, we you know the 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 layout of the vehicle, the package, the configuration, the technology content. Uh, we think creates a really interesting and very unique uh, configuration that we're very bullish in the demand for that product. And of course, recognizing what we've seen in R1 and 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 how strong Rivian has resonated with cons- consumers there, uh, we remain very bullish on on the R2 segment uh, and the R2 product itself. And so, the way that we've engaged with our suppliers to ensure that we can ramp effectively, as well as laying out the production roadmap albeit measured as I described across two phases, has been uh, very much thoughtful of 
the scale of the opportunity and the scale of this transition that we see happening over the over the course of this decade. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Did he answer that question? I'm I'm not 100% sure he did. Um... Kind of in the end, but not really. I would push back a little bit on the lack of choice between EVs, the between $45,000 and $55,000, which we could just assume that's what the R2 is going to cost, right, in that range. I do think that there is choice. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. But uh, Kia and Hyundai are, you know, giving us good offerings, even though I'm, I am very frustrated with the GM the Chevy Blazer EV at any point now should be uh, uh, the software should be fixed and they should start, you know, delivering those vehicles. I, I guess there's a bunch of them just kind of piled up that have been produced. They're just waiting for the software so that they can send them to dealers. So hopefully in 2024, that'll be a good option. The Nissan Aria is a good option. There's certainly not as many options out there as there is in the ICE world, for sure. I understand that. But it's not just Tesla and Rivian. Oh, and there's the Ford Mach-E. That's a great car as well. So there's not a ton of options, but the options we do have are pretty good. Next up, we're going to hear some more information on that Q2 shutdown. And we're kind of going to get a, a Rivian delivery van update. Don't get too excited. Just given what you're seeing right now, can you discuss the rationale behind expanding the capacity by 30% and uh, at the end of this year and um, any update on EDV demand outside of uh, Amazon? Yeah, and, and 
within the plant, you know, the shutdown we have coming in uh, in second quarter, you know, next quarter. Uh, we, I think a lot of the the thinking around that tends to drive towards what's happening in the plant. And I said it before, but I, just to repeat here for clarity, one of the most important parts of the shutdown is actually what's happening within our supply chain. So we're we're making a, a number of supplier changes, a number of component changes along with supplier changes that lead to significant reductions in our material cost. And the scale and, and amount of change in our supply chain and through our bill of materials means that the coordination of the restart of the plant and winding down of the existing inventory, bringing up of, of new inventory requires that, that multi-week shutdown. And with that multi-week shutdown, we are making improvements to the line as well. I do want to make that uh, very clear. And the improvements are really focused on line rate and the ability to run the line at a higher speed and therefore uh, a more in a more efficient manner. And that increased line rate will ultimately translate to lower conversion costs, you know, reduced hours per unit um, within the plant as we look at uh, as we look at operating post shutdown through the rest of this year. And the EDV demand. Yeah, this is something we've uh, we've talked about in the past. We're uh, really excited to have new customers uh, running pilot programs. We've uh, we have more of these pilot programs coming online. Uh, there's more and more uh, images of our commercial vans being spotted with with different uh, different logos on the side. Uh, but as we've said in the past, for these large fleets and, and the complexities associated with transitioning to an electric vehicle fleet, we expect these to start as pilots and then over the course of this year trend, you know, transition into larger scale orders. Uh, and we don't anticipate, and, and we've been careful to, to, to guide to say that they're really the the significant step up in demand associated with non-Amazon customers, we'll see that next year in the 2025 time frame. So that is the EDV update. Not exactly knock your socks off for the Rivian delivery van in terms of an update. But the further information on the shutdown in Q2 basically can be boiled down to this. It's going to save them money. It's going to simplify processes. They get to upgrade their current equipment at the plant so that uh, they can put, you know, they can make cars faster at the normal Illinois plant. This next question I thought was really good. Um, It's all about what Rivian has learned with the 70,000-ish vehicles they have on the road right now. You have a I think over 70,000 cars on the road to date, and I'm sure you've learned a lot from them being on the road, a lot of data collection. You know, what has that data collection informed you about product performance and, and maybe what you're going to put into the R2? Thank you. Yeah, oh, that's a, uh, there's a lot. Uh, I, one of the things that's been um, most surprising to us is just watching how customers are interacting with the, the overall digital experience and digital ecosystem of the vehicle. And we track really closely how the experience of interacting in the vehicle translates into the mobile app and the use of the mobile app within the vehicle. And, or I should say to, to access and work with the vehicle. And so as we look at some of the features that are coming even in this year, it's to enhance the digital experience in the vehicle 
uh, around dynamics, around usability, around activities that you can uh, do in the vehicle. So some of the some entertainment entertainment functions, uh, and continuing to make those those uh, those interactions easier and more seamless. And the way we build our software roadmap, there's a strategic, let's call it long form element that that looks at how everything puzzles together. Uh, in terms of partnerships, in terms of some of the capability that goes in. But then there's also a very active dialogue with customers where we're not only active on forums, but we have user groups that send us feedback points and we address those. And I, I get a lot of joy out of our release notes that go out every three, four weeks with every over-the-air update that we we drop. And then the feedback and the excitement that comes with that. With all that said, a lot of the learnings of 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 what's gone into R1 beyond software around drivability, around how the vehicles are being used, around the importance placed on safety, have played into really helping to shape how we're prioritizing you know, cost, uh, cost of goods sold spending, if you will, on R2. Uh, and we're very excited to show the R2 product. We think it really captures the most important sort of elements or the essence of Rivian as, as a brand and as a product. But but in a smaller form factor package, uh, and of course at a lower price point. But it's still very much a Rivian, and we've you know we've had lots and lots of debates over the last 24 months around what the content needs to be in the vehicle to deliver on that Rivianness, if you will, uh, while at the same time recognizing that certain trade-offs need to be made to achieve the lower price point. Okay, I thought this was a good question. I thought this was a good answer. My follow-up question would be. What have you learned about EV drivers in general, uh, in aggregate, since you've purchased a better route planner? Because a better route planner will be integrated, or maybe it is currently integrated into the Rivian R1 platform and eventually the R2 platform. But Rivian literally has data from people who don't own Rivians and their driving habits through the a better route planner. Now, it's not as much as if, you know, Rivian had full access to, you know, what the car is reporting back to other EV makers, but it's quite a bit of data in terms of long distance travel. So I'd be curious what they've learned from that. And uh, I don't think we'll ever get an answer on that, but that, that would be my, my follow-up question is, based on the 70,000 vehicles that Rivian has on the road, and all of the data you've gotten from a better route planner, what are your takeaways? I think that I think that would be a more interesting answer. All right, let's get to our final question, which is pricing changes on the supplier side. I thought this was a really interesting answer. So let's go ahead and play the clip. Trying to understand how fixed the input cost environment might be for 2024 at this point, you, you spoke about some changes in, in things like lithium and, and battery pricing. I mean, that, that, that can move around a little bit uh, you know, throughout the year. I mean, have you already you know, gotten firm commitments on, on some of these uh, materials? And you know, similarly with suppliers, you oftentimes, you know, there's a volume requirement in order to get a certain price. You, you spoke around a partnership approach that some of the suppliers are taking and wanting to uh, be, be involved with the R2 and some of the longer term opportunities with, with Rivian. But to the extent your volumes end up less than the 57,000 uh, production target, is there, is there some, some risk as well around what the input costs you'll be paying are? Thanks. 
Yeah, Mark, you referenced already, but I mean, the, the raw material costs uh, within the battery supply chain have, have changed dramatically in in the last year, uh, specifically lithium, hydro- lithium hydroxide, you know, is down by about 4x, you know, from north of $80 a kilogram to just over $20 a kilogram today. So that, that has a very significant impact uh, on our overall cost structure. Um, but getting into just thinking about the overall uh, supply chain uh, sort of health for us and overall material cost, we're just seeing a dramatically different environment for sourcing than what we had previously. And and when we think about when we sourced R1 and a lot of the bill of materials that we've been uh, you know operating off of and the contracts we've been operating off of to date, those are contracts that went in place in 2019, 2020. Uh, where Rivian was in a very different negotiating position with those suppliers and where the industry was in a very different uh, uh, position to be making commitments to us. Fast forward to today, uh, those same suppliers are, are highly engaged, very enthusiastic about the, about the product, and, and they've experienced very much firsthand some of the challenges of, of supplying uh, other products and some of the products from large established OEMs have have not done nearly as well as what they thought they would or what the, those other manufacturers thought they would. And on a relative basis, looking at those and, and comparing it to us, they they now see us as a, a large customer and they see what's coming with R2 and that, that gives us really meaningful negotiating leverage. And in many cases, we've been able to negotiate with our existing suppliers meaningful cost reductions that remove any of the, the, the price premium that we would have been paying before uh, associated with us being a new company. Uh, but in cases where we haven't been able to do that, we've been very active on resourcing suppliers and bring on, you know, uh, ending supplier relationships and bring on new suppliers. And we have a, a relentless focus on driving our cost of goods sold down through those activities. Now, in cases where we're either changing the part design or changing out a supplier, not as if we can press a button and it happens immediately. Uh, there's there's both the tooling time, there's the bring up of the supplier, and then there's the coordination of of the transition. And the shutdown, as I said, this is this will be the single largest consolidated set of uh, supply chain changes that we've we've had by far since we started production. And and we we had a similar set of changes we made on EDV uh, early part of 2023 when we shut the line down. And, and out of that, uh, we achieved a material cost reduction of 35%. Um, but the scale of the changes we're making on R1 is, is meaningfully bigger in terms of number of suppliers and number of components with the shutdown that we're planning here uh, in the second quarter of, of, of this year. So I'm not going to take a long time and break this clip down. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But RJ has mentioned in past earnings calls how poorly they negotiated with these suppliers because they were an unknown startup and they were going to have, at least in the beginning, relatively small orders. And suppliers are in the business of making money. So they're not going to give Rivian any sort of sweetheart deal if, you know, long term, the the suppliers aren't going to be making a ton of money. That's that's their that's their goal. So now that Rivian's in a better place and they have the R2 platform coming out, 
they can get much better deals from these suppliers. And the the suppliers that don't want to play ball on renegotiating contracts, Rivian's finding new suppliers. So that's great for Rivian. Uh, also, it helps that costs just in general are coming down from where they were a year, year and a half, two years ago, so that, you know, Rivian can find some margin for profit in their products. So that's that's a positive because, number one, I don't want to have to pay any more than absolutely necessary for a car. And number two, I want these companies to stick around so the next time I buy a car, I have more options. So I bought a Model Y this time. Maybe I'll buy something off the R2 platform next time or Fisker Ocean or any of the other cars that are doing really cool things. And yes, I did say Fisker Ocean because I still think it's a cool car and a cool platform. Uh, All right, let's get to RJ's closing remarks, and then we'll go ahead and close out the show. Well, thanks, everyone, for for, um, spending the time with us today and and the thoughtful questions and discussion we were able to have. We're we're incredibly excited about the the strength of uh, customer excitement for our brand and for what we're building as a company. And with that, looking forward to continue to make progress on our on our uh, drive towards profitability as a business. Uh, and an important component of that is, of course, the the unveiling and, and showing of our R2 product line, which we'll be showing on March 7th. And that will embody a lot of the learnings that we've talked about in the context of launching and ramping R1 uh, in a product that we think really fits the market and really fits the, the, the largest uh, segment of demand uh, that's available today. So with that, thank you, everyone, for, for the time and uh, look forward to our next call. Overall, I think this was a really good earnings call. We didn't get any like bombshell information, just kind of slow and steady wins the race type stuff. In the past, these earnings calls were very different because Rivian was new and they were still trying to figure things out. And they, you know, that we had a pandemic and there were supplier issues and it was just like they were managing all of this chaos. I think this earnings call is a little bit more uh, maybe the beginning of Rivian being a on the road to being a more mature company. And I I love this. I, I still like getting all of the nitty-gritty dirt details, dirt tells, <laughs> details from RJ Scringe and, and some of these other CEOs who who know what they're talking about. So we we get kind of like an inside scoop on what's going on in these companies. And I think we got a little bit of that today. But I, I don't want these companies to have to go through um, the ringer when answering questions because, you know, they're not making as much money or they're losing too much money or, you know, people don't like their vehicles or whatever. And we're going to we're going to have one of those earnings calls on February 29th. Uh, we're, we won't cover it on the 29th, but we're going to cover the Fisker or the Fisker earnings call, which is on the 29th. Uh, we'll get one of those earnings calls in. But Heinrich Fisker and Gita Gupta Fisker, they all, they, both of them and their team do a great job of explaining and owning up uh, to the problems that they've had. And yeah, they put a little bit of spin on it. But for the most part, I think they're forthright in, in what they're saying. But yeah, that one, that one's going to be interesting. All right, everybody, that is it for me this episode. I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will talk to you on Friday.
Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.